let's listen to really smart people, <laughs> take what they have to offer, and use it as our own. Kind of how we got through school. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, Jason, I see you're drinking some coffee over there. Lots of it. You too. Yes. I'm a big fan of coffee. This is my third of the day. Is it? Yeah. I want to say that's, I'm probably about on par with you. Might even be branching into four. Depends yeah. how you, how much. I don't know. Big fan of caffeine. Always have been. Me too. Um, and today we're going to talk about why we are fans of caffeine. Um, and we get a lot of questions on that. That's why we decided to do this one. I think you specifically get a lot of questions on, hey, energy drinks, caffeine, kids. Yeah, I get a lot of good, parents bad. asking me questions. Um, even coaches or athletic trainers at times will ask us questions about this. And I think most of it comes from a parent or coach wanting to support their stance and opinion on something. So they ask me to verify their opinion, mm -hmm. which puts me in an awkward position sometimes. And I'm like... Uh, you're not right, <laughs> yeah. but I'll say whatever you want because your kids, you are trying to do something for your kids. It's one of those, like, there's a lot of these wives tales we, we pass down or we just, I don't know why people just dig their heels in on some of the dumbest shit sometimes. Yeah, I know. It's, and it's, I think it's passed down, right? It's all a study in human cognitive bias. I mean, I do the same stuff with my kids. I'm like, no, that's not. And yeah, then I'm right. like, I just I said what my just, mom said. I don't even know if it's true. Right. I, I think, yeah, I think there's just an element of being a parent. You just don't want to give your kids just certain things that seem not natural. You know, I don't know. Or it's a control issue. Yeah. I right. think a I'm lot saying of it's no, just, just cause. Yeah. yeah. I, I am the boss. <laughs> yeah. Dad, you drink five cups of coffee every day. Can I have some? <laughs> no. It's going <laughs> to. Stunt your growth. Stunt your growth. Look at yeah. my hair. <laughs> right, make you go bald. <laughs> and and by the way, uh, I we, we haven't found any evidence saying that ingesting caffeine is going to stunt your growth or make you bald. That's one of the myths. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's get into it. All right, let's get into it. So caffeine, uh, it is a naturally occurring. You know, one of the most widely consumed stimulant, pseudo stimulant, performance enhancing, performance enhancing chemical chemicals out there. Found in plants, right? And yes. Kind of the stems and leaves and beans, beans of certain plants. Um, you know, most notable of which would be coffee, probably the biggest one. I think you had said before that you know I I, I, I see studies saying over eighty percent of U.S. adults and children ingest caffeine on a daily basis. I feel like you've seen some as high as ninety. Like worldwide, I think it was closer to ninety. It yeah. was insane. So, and I feel like I don't know. It's I feel like our more than water. Right. <laughs> more, more, people, more people drink consume caffeine than water <laughs> but yeah i feel like for anybody who kind of lives in the real world I, I, to me i feel like that probably doesn't surprise too many people like yep a lot of people drink caffeine and people drink caffeine very regularly um i don't know that there's a lot of studies on like caffeine and addiction but i think we're, we're going to go into some of the mechanisms of how caffeine works and I think whenever you kind of see, okay, here's what caffeine does on the brain chemistry. It kind of helps boost dopamine and, you know, things like that. It's like, yeah, okay, it, it kind of makes sense. Like there probably is some kind of just it feels good mood boosting effects of caffeine that probably kind of flirt with the addiction type thing. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, just, don't, I just don't think people, this many people in the world start doing something if it doesn't do anything. Right. Right. So. I feel like uh, last time around we talked about. I liked. I, I started it off with a just overview 
on performance benefits of caffeine. So Nick just said something. We've already recorded this once. Oh, yeah. It was top notch. Zach over here decided to use a different <laughs> platform, record video at the same time. And it sounds like we're in a tunnel cave and it's distorted. And usually our first takes are best, so this is probably going to be terrible. Yeah. I'll, take, I'll take the blame on that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, on yeah, for all our newsletter subscribers, and there are many, <laughs> uh, you probably got the newsletter for caffeine and noticed, wait, there's no episode out yet. So we had to redo it. There were some technical difficulties. We, we decided we would just let Nick do newsletters for a while because he's competing <laughs> with the podcast and nobody's list, reading the newsletters. We weren't, he had, I'm hell-bent on building this newsletter. I he got had to an, get the jump. I got an angry group text about nobody following the damn newsletter. Yep. And no, nobody could find the nobody newsletter. could find it by nobody. We had an N of one that only <laughs> looks at Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, our shameless plug, www.thesimplifiedpodcast.com. So the simplified podcast, all one word, because this person, I think screwed it up. www.thesimplifiedpodcast.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. Okay. That just, I mean, that takes your uh, source even to a worse level, if they put spaces in, <laughs> they did. in the in Because a, it is. If you URL, put spaces in, no, spaces no, no, just, just into Google. Oh. They just Googled the Simplified Podcast with spaces, and then it's not us that pops up because we're not as popular as a different one. Well, but if if she went to college and took any type of search engine class and you put it all caps and between those. Yeah, yeah well, we're, we're not going to name names. <laughs> <laughs> So caffeine, what does it do? It has a lot of ergogenic effects. What's which that mean? Ergogenic just means performance enhancing. Okay, that yep. would sound yep. more simplified. Performance enhancing effects of caffeine on. So I'm looking right now at a. It's a big like meta analysis of a meta analysis, like an umbrella review of 21 published meta analyses. So basically, that's another way of saying when you Google uh, caffeine studies, there's a lot of them. A ton. So if you look at overviews of the meta-analysis, what you're going to find is that caffeine has ergogenic, aka performance-enhancing effects of caffeine on muscle endurance, muscle strength, anaerobic power, and aerobic endurance. Everything. There you go. Done. So I feel like this is the simplified podcast. We could go nerdy into all these, but I feel like that's the bottom line. Is Is there a lot of evidence showing that it helps with Muscle strength that helps you, you know, with uh, aerobic endurance. Yes. Um, I was going to, I'll pull one. And that anaerobic uh, power is going to be that sprinting ability, whether you're on a, on a bike and you're a road bike and you're sprinting really fast or you're sprinting as a sprinter or you're potentially lifting weights and doing some power movement yes. um, that lasts less than eight to 10 seconds. Right. So it's helping it basically every type of athlete. Right. So yeah, I'm looking at a study right now. Um, this study examined the acute effects of ingesting a caffeine-containing energy drink on repetitions to failure, a rating of perceived exertion, RPE, and readiness to invest physical and mental effort during resistance exercise to failure. And what they found, the main finding was that the subjects in the energy drink uh, condition completed significantly more reps to failure than the placebo condition. Um Energy drink, energy drink group scored higher on the readiness to invest physical effort and readiness to invest mental effort. Um, the evidence weighted in favor of caffeine's effectiveness for enhancing resistance performance is favorable. So just a little brief preview. Yeah, there. that's good. So basically what happens is you ingest caffeine and caffeine goes to your brain 
It stimulates a lot of different areas, but mainly the front part of your brain, your frontal lobe. Okay. Um, and it causes an increase in dopamine. Um, yes. And norepinephrine. Okay. But I think it's significantly more dopamine. Okay. Um, and dopamine is the primary neurotransmitter to make you feel good, um, happy, uh, want to do more things. Want to do things. Yeah. yeah. Be, maybe be productive. I don't know if they. Um, and way. the front part of your brain um, is what where we get executive function. So that ability to focus and uh, have our thoughts all laid out without having to think really hard. Um, or I'll say. If you're somebody that sits down to read or study or watch TV and there's a bunch of background noise, our frontal lobe drowns out all that background noise. Yes. Um, Adderall or Ritalin, those drugs increase uh, dopamine in that part of the brain as well. So caffeine's kind of stimulating the same area of the brain to help with focus and reward system joy. Yes. So that's why and I think it's working a lot and it's helping. For sure. Yeah. And then what's the other thing caffeine does? What, what are you asking me? Well, I, I feel like if you were to go Google caffeine and how does it work, what you're going to find, like, I feel like what you just said is kind of a nerdier, I don't know that that pops up first on Google. The second, Are you looking at the adenosine? Adenosine. Adenosine. Yep. yep. So okay. the other thing it does is it uh, inhibits these, these adenosine receptors, right? Correct. So it kind of prevents, there's this thing called adenosine that naturally builds through the day. And when you have caffeine, it kind of blocks adenosine from binding to its receptor, which basically when adenosine binds to its receptor, receptor, it just increases sleep pressure. It makes you sleepy through the day. Correct. So if you're blocking that from happening, it just doesn't, you know, you don't get as sleepy. That's probably what most people would find if they Googled caffeine. Yeah. So I think caffeine's listed as a psychostimulant, like it's stimulating the brain, but it's not in a stimulant like you would think like uh, cocaine. Right. Um, where it's stimulating <clears throat> every part of the body and increasing adrenaline a lot. Yeah. Um, it's more blocking adenosine. So you don't feel that tiredness yeah and not, you feel more focused right yeah not that this matters but i feel like i've i've read certain things where people will kind of go back and forth on is caffeine technically a stimulant or is it more like a pseudo stimulant you know is it really just blocking you from getting sleepy rather than you know truly a stimulant like you said like cocaine or heroin is right but anyway so yeah but if you put a, produce a lot of <laughs> dopamine in your brain really quickly yeah then you can get stimulated to where you're like giddy I mean, I think people have had that, you know, you have too Giggly. much yeah. caffeine and you're like, oh, like yeah. you're almost going to this like anxiety induced panic mode. Right. That's because of just, there's a lot of dopamine accumulating pretty quickly. Yes. So, um, so I feel like I'm, I'm going out on a limb, but for the coaches out there who maybe don't like the idea of energy drinks or caffeine with their athletes, why do you think they don't like it? So a majority of the reason it's due to dehydration and cramping. Ooh, all right. That's what I'd hope you say, because I have a study here to, to address that. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. He, he played right into my hand. Uh, th this study is called Caffeine and Diuresis During Rest and Exercise, a Meta-Analysis. So this Meta-Analysis evaluated caffeine-induced diuresis, which diuresis is just like needing to pee. I, I think it, technically it's like urine volume. So this meta-analysis evaluated caffeine-induced diuresis in adults during rest and exercise. And what they found was that uh, the three primary findings of the study, again, it's meta-analysis, so it looked at a bunch of studies, but caffeine-induced diuresis was minor, very small effect size. Caffeine-induced diuresis did not occur with exercise. So I think a lot of people take caffeine before, their ex before they exercise, probably for the performance benefits we just talked about. Um, and when you exercise, they did not find caffeine-induced diuresis with exercise, which is good. 
and caffeine-induced diuresis was not uh, influenced by dosage or trial duration. So basically, I like this. These findings, the authors of this meta-analysis concluded that concerns regarding fluid loss and potential adverse effects on fluid balance associated with caffeine ingestion are unfounded. God, every time you just start going and you keep going and I don't even listen. I was thinking over here about my son going golfing and all kinds of stuff. Well, I that, need some that's more your caffeine. Own, that's your own problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically caffeine by itself does not cause an increase in uh, likelihood of dehydration, right? Right. So right. especially with exercise. Exactly. And we've already talked about this kind of on, uh, I think on our cramping um, episode that when you drink caffeine with a beverage, so an energy drink is mostly water with caffeine and other vitamins in it. Yeah. Coffee is 95% water with yep, caffeine. With caffeine, right? Yep, you pour water over a coffee bean. Um, you're still drinking a lot of fluid volume and you're retaining more than you're losing. The only reason you go to the bathroom more is because you just drink a bunch. Right. Right? Yep. So uh, myth one, caffeine causes dehydration. According to this meta-analysis... Fake news. Fake news. Especially okay. with exercise. They did find a, a, a higher effect in women. So I think they kind of concluded like, okay, if you're a woman who doesn't, like a woman who doesn't regularly consume caffeine, maybe just be aware of it and work your way up if it's something you want to do. But for the most part, they said, look, these, these concerns on fluid balance and fluid loss, we're not seeing it. That is one of those myths that it, it just hasn't gone away. Like, I think if you would pull the average person, they'd be like, yeah, dehydrates you. Yeah, right, for sure. But yeah, like I a drink, quick uh, Google search, like the first thing it's going to bring up is that, no, that's not really a problem. Right. So, yeah, the stuff I found would agree with that. Well, Google's not always right. True. Yeah. But I actually got a meta-analysis, so yeah, I'm always right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next one we want to go down to. Uh, I pulled one called caffeine ingestion uh, with insulin sensitivity. I feel like that's something else that you might see. Nobody has ever thought that that's listening to our podcast, but you can. Well, I I think the first time around, I got deeper into this than I think I wanted to. Yes. So maybe this is good second time around. (laughs) Observational research on the whole has failed to show a positive correlation between increased coffee intake and increased risk for type 2 diabetes. In fact... They show the opposite, where there's kind of a positive correlation between coffee consumption and decreased risk of type 2 diabetes. What, I do, mean, you, what do you think of that? Well, I think that makes sense. Uh, because I think last time around, I went into, there is this one study that showed that there was like insulin sensitivity problems. Remember, we were talking about that. But mm-hmm. then when you actually looked at the insulin sensitivity index, it didn't show it. And I feel like our viewers probably would have got but lost. Do, so. do you think anybody has ever drank coffee and think, man, I'm going to get diabetes? Well, you kind of wonder, uh, probably certain kinds of coffee or people that put a bunch of sugar. Well, in it. but I don't think those people even think about that either because they know what they're putting in their mouth is not good. Like if right. you go and you're getting one of those big frappuccinos every day, <laughs> right? <laughs> you have to know that's not healthy, right? I would think you right? would think you would think. Or if I'm getting a big mocha that has 500 calories when coffee has like five, yes, there's something not right, right? So, so yeah, but I thought that was good of just kind of there was a bunch of studies these observational researchers, you know, don't don't show a link between the two. In fact, they show kind of an opposite. People who tend to drink more coffee seem to get less diabetes. And doesn't coffee um, peripherally help with lipolysis? Hasn't there been shown some uh, positive effects? Uh, with fat burning? Yes, thermogenesis. I think so. Yeah, because usually when, they, when you get a thermogenic, they're going to add uh, some type of um, epinephrine, 
bitter orange extract, mm. yerba mate. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you talked yeah, a lot yeah. about yerba mate. So, tea. but I, caffeine is always induced in that, and I think it does cause a slight elevation in thermogenic. Yeah, promotes lipolysis. There you go. Oh. When you used to do the old ECA yeah, stack. Due to greater release of adrenaline. Oh, boy. I don't there know. You don't is. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're back to it again. Well, no, that's, well, that's, just, uh, that's just the first headline. We can pick and choose which ones we want to use. <laughs> it's our podcast. We can cherry yeah, pick how much right. we want. <laughs> but, no, I think that was the purported mechanism when they would do the ECA stack, which was ephedra, caffeine, and yeah. aspirin, right? Yeah. Aspirin thins out the blood. Yeah. Um, ephedra causes this increase in the catecholamine release or it is a catecholamine index and then the caffeine helps with lipolysis as well so it's yeah a multi causes beta oxidation yeah all right so so it helps you uh burn fat which is obviously a good thing when it comes to type 2 by diabetes right yeah right so why do you think uh i'm gonna see if you'll walk right into my you know my trap again why do you think the average person probably consumes caffeine uh to wake up wake up or fo- stay focused focus. yeah. yes so that, I, I don't think the average person think about, thinks about focus necessarily. I think they're just like, I got to get out of bed and I got to get going. Yeah, which I, it, it, yeah, right. But but I think they both play, they're, they're, play into the it. same mechanism. Exactly, right? right. You're doing it for the same reason. So there's actually a pretty good amount of data out there for uh, like the effect of caffeine on just sustained selective attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to go through just a couple of these where basically there's just a bunch of these studies where it looks pretty consistent well some of them give like 100 milligrams of caffeine 200 milligrams of caffeine then placebo and uh then they put them through these tests uh like these sustained attention tasks tests um participants are required to detect a target over a non-target across four 10-minute blocks and um basically the higher caffeine dose 200 milligrams average correct detection performance was better 100 milligrams was less than 200 but still better than placebo so there's a bunch of those. So these findings from this study indicate the caffeine in moderate doses enhances sustained attention. Yep. So there's stuff like that. Um, so the dosage thing is interesting to me because I think we both found different levels when we were researching this, right? Yes. You got upwards of like five or 600 milligrams at a time. Well, here, I'll read you this one. So there's a different study, same kind of uh, realm of like attention. Single doses of caffeine, 250 milligrams, 500 milligrams, and placebo were administered in double-blind fashion to healthy individuals. Uh, And attention was measured using two computerized tasks, like rapid information processing task and continuous attention task. Uh, And basically, uh, the dose had a significant main effect on reaction time in the rapid information processing task. Those receiving 500 milligrams of caffeine had a significantly greater probability of correct detection than those in placebo. So both doses of caffeine significantly increased correct detec- detection in comparison with caffeine. And did so, the higher do better though? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yep. Um, so yeah. So there's got to be a threshold though, right? Where too much is too much? Well, yes. And so I've seen stuff, again, caffeine, I think I can't remember if we said this or not already, but there's a lot of data on caffeine. But I've seen things, like I said, I just, on some of these attention ones, they get up to 500 milligrams. There's other attention ones where they topped out at 200 milligrams. For some performance enhancing benefit studies, they get up to like five to six milligrams per kilogram. So I feel like, you know, if you're a 200, 220 pound guy, you're going to be up at the 500 level, maybe five plus. To six, yeah. yeah. So that seems to be doses that they find themselves studying. So, and they're doing this how soon prior to testing? 30 minutes, an hour? 
I don't know. I feel like blood levels of caffeine peak in as few as 15 minutes mm-hmm. and on average 45 minutes after ingestion. Yeah, so I, I've read that 30 to 60 minute window is when you want to ingest it. I've, I've seen for safety reasons an hour yes. just so you make sure your blood levels have elevated enough um, to get the performance effects. Yes. It has a long half-life, so it's not breaking down ra- yep. rapidly. We talked about that in our sleep episode. Yeah. Yep, sleep part one. So the half-life is what? I think it's the half-life is what, six? Yep. And the quarter-life is 12? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea is, you know, if you have 100 milligrams of caffeine, I think 12 hours later, there's still going to be 25 milligrams floating around in your brain. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those that it does have a long half-life. So that's why we talked about it with sleep. If you're somebody who struggles with sleep, you want to be mindful of that when you're ingesting caffeine. So right now we're looking at anywhere between 180 to four or 500 milligrams of caffeine in, in a setting, yes. right? So I think this is a good time to like go to the energy drink issue for a second. Okay. So energy drinks, this is a big question we get. And I think we get a lot of parents just concerned about my kids ingesting something that a, they don't know what it is necessarily. Right. Because normally with energy drinks, there's going to be a lot of big words on the can or mm-hmm. bottle um, and a lot of chemicals, um, as well as they think there's a lot of caffeine in these. Um, and some of them do. Some of them do. But from what I've seen, we're usually anywhere between 150 milligrams to 300 milligrams of caffeine for a full can. Most of them seem to be right around 200 milligrams. Yeah. So you can go with like Bang. Mm-hmm. That brand has 300. Yep. Celsius and most of like Alani and most of those cans that are like the skinnier cans have 200 200. monster has around 170. I I thought it was only 140, maybe 140. Yeah. So that's on the low end. Mm -hmm. I think Red Bull and monster on the lower end of, of caffeine content. Yeah. Um, and most of the energy drinks are water with flavoring and then caffeine. Um, something else they'll put into those are uh, gluconeurolactone. Mm, baby. And did you find anything good about gluconeurolactone? Because there's been some hypotheses on gluconeurolactone. I didn't. I thought you had some hypotheses last time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like there was a study where they looked at like do the non-caffeine ingredients of energy drinks affect metabolic responses to heavy exercise? And anyway, as they were, like, one of these authors was analyzing it, um, it, it kind of just said that glu- gluconeurolactone is commonly used in energy drinks for purposes that are unclear. Red Bull does not make any specific claim behind its use of gluconeurolactone. Thus far, there's no human research showing its isolated benefits on exercise performance. So I think, yeah, it's, it's in there. Now, this is old. That was, like, 2012. So I don't know. Did you find newer stuff on gluconeurolactone? So nothing major. There's, there's a... Uh, metabolic hypothesis that is it causing binding to uh dopamine receptors stronger than um dopamine itself potentially causing psychosis and other issues i just don't there's nothing i could find that really substantiated anything that's going to be very dangerous but it's also one of those i don't think there's been a lot of human trials on gluconeurolactone and what it does right i think the safety index is still like it's not a it's not an fda regulated thing thing okay Okay. So, yeah. And then I know last time we talked about taurine. Yeah. That's another one you'll see in a lot of energy drinks. And I think taurine, which is an amino acid, um, has a lot of positive effects when it comes to focus, attention, energy, metabolism. Yes. Um, And completely safe in and itself because we ingest taurine all day long when we eat any type of meat or protein. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So I didn't see anything really negative. And then most of these energy drinks will have some type of B, multi B vitamin, B6, B12, which most of those B vitamins are um, required for energy production. Yeah. Um, so the production of ATP. Right. Um, and to be honest, most people have plenty of B vitamins in their body. So it's probably just being peed out. And that's why your urine looks bright yellow when you drink an energy drink. But it's it's not going to hurt you. It's not harmful. Right. Yep. Yeah. I know there's a lot of studies for B vitamins on like correcting deficiencies, but I don't think there's much on like boosting performance. Right. So yeah, kind of same. So to me, from an energy uh, drink standpoint, from a, from a youth, a teen, if we look at what studies have shown the, what you would need from a performance enhancing effect, I don't think like if you're a hundred pound teenager, a 150 pound teenager, yes, average energy drinks aren't going over that threshold, right? Mm -hmm. So if you weigh 200 pounds or in your kilograms are going to be what, 110, 102, 100, whatever. Let's do some math here, Jason. So what'd you say, 200 pounds? Yeah, 2.0. If, if, if you're 200 pounds, you're like 90.7 kilograms. Okay, so then if you multiply that by five. 90.7 times five. 453. You're not finding an energy drink that has 453 milligrams of caffeine, right? So let's say, so if we did 150 pound, well, it's maybe like 120. Yeah. 120 pound teen. Yeah. 14 year old boy. You're about 54.4 kilograms. And then what do we want to do? Like times. So do it by three since three. six is okay. what they've studied. 163. Okay. So. You're going to be well within that realm if you drink a 200 pound or 200 milligram caffeine drink, right? Yeah, right. 163 or a monster. Like right. monster has 140. So if you drink a monster as a 120 pounder, like the idea is there had like caffeine has been consistently studied at that dosage to be and, and shown safe benefits. And, yeah. Yeah. But like you said, there's probably like, I think the fear is just, look, there's other stuff in energy drinks. We don't know what it is. And right. But we also don't know what's happening when we go to a fast food restaurant and they've Pride <laughs> and put all these. I mean, honest to God, now, yeah, I just don't know where right, do we exactly. draw the line like, of like. Do, yeah, where do does you think that, logic... that quarter pounder is all pure beef? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't... where does that logic begin and end? Right. Um, so I think to me, it's there's that fine line when you're a parent. Mm -hmm. Like we want to do whatever's the best for our kids. I think all parents want that. But then there's also this like, is it going to kill them? Versus I'm fighting my kids because every other kid's drinking energy drinks. You yeah. know, and I've been down that road myself. Like you're not going to drink that. Mm -hmm. but everybody else is doing it. Yeah. But you're I've not, seen you drink three, Dad. If everybody jumps off a bridge, you're going with them. Like, yeah. you know, you, this is the stuff. So I think like start starting with a half a can of something every once in a while, is it going to kill the kid? Right. No. Like, can yeah. they tolerate it? I think that's what you really got to understand is their frontal lobe, their brain isn't developed well enough yet to know how it's going to affect them. So if you're starting small, like what's a Coke have? 80, 70 milligrams? Like I'm sure around there. most kids have had some type of soda with right. caffeine in it, like, especially as teens, um, if they can handle that, then maybe you start with a half a can and then you just see what happens. Um, but I think it can be beneficial, especially for those high skill athletes, if they're using it correctly for performance. Right. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think it's kind of the same thing as artificial sweeteners. Like none of us are, uh, you know, saying everybody go out and start slamming energy drinks. They're super good for you. I think it's more of just a look, let's not get into the fear mongering and you know, having this is going to kill you and all that stuff. I agree. Like I used to be, I used to consume monsters a lot more than I do now. 
I've really tried to cut back. And like when, when I'm having one, usually on long road trips, like I'm driving for a while, maybe I'll have one. And then occasionally one of my kids will be like, Hey, can I have a sip of that? And it's like, look, yeah, a sip. Mm -hmm. I kind of go there and then we kind of just, you know, I'm sure it'll build from there, but I'm personally of the camp of, I don't see what's terrible about that. I'm with you. I think a lot of times it's because parents don't want to deal with hyperactive kids. For sure. Right. If it's going to make you crazy, then right. But I think mm -hmm. by the time they're a teen, high school age kid, they should be able to, like, you should be able to make that decision. Like, my kid can handle this or not or start small. And then right. just somehow have that honest conversation. Trust me, I get what happens at home. So mm -hmm. right. they're not as easy sometimes. But, but at well, least we've given, you know, shined a little light on what dosage has been studied. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, look, upwards of five to six milligrams per kilogram has been studied, showed performance benefits and all that stuff. So I think if you're starting at like, you know, two, three milligrams per kilogram, I think that would seem pretty safe to me. I would agree. Um, something else I found in the literature is that uh, regular caffeine use has been shown to have a positive effect on uh, neurologic diseases such as Parkinson's, oh, yeah. Alzheimer's, um, depression. There's a there was a really good meta analysis on depression and people who consume caffeine. Okay. Um, so people who consume caffeine on a regular basis, daily basis, are significantly less likely to become depressed versus people who don't. Makes sense. Um, dopamine. Dopamine. Yep. Small. Yeah. I, I, what is it about that? Because you hear that in a lot of different stimulants that they can help out with, you know, Alzheimer's and all the other things. Yeah, I think I think it comes down to a neurotransmitter issue and being able to stimulate it over time. And for whatever reason, and we've talked about this on other podcasts, especially from an Alzheimer's or we know what happens in Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. In Alzheimer's specifically, we don't know exactly what's driving that force, but in either Parkinson and Alzheimer's, it's always a neurotransmitter deficiency or abnormality that eventually causes a problem. And so we just don't know what it is though. Like yeah. it, we do know in Parkinson's though, what's going on in mm -hmm. your body, your basal ganglia can't produce neurotransmitters. We don't know why, but this seems to be affecting like stimulants, especially seem to be a, uh, stimulating those areas of the brain, the frontal lobe and uh, the basal ganglia to work which is always good. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that old adage. If you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think it's a fine line, right? Like we can do something like uh, caffeine or other stimulants. We, we recorded a podcast on nicotine that will release that nicotine stimulates some of those areas of the brain and have, have shown positive effects. Or we can go to something like meth, which does the same thing. It just binds so strongly to those neurotransmitter receptor sites that it burns them out and then you can't stimulate it, right? Like okay. it's almost like that horm hormesis. <laughs> a little bit does really good. A lot of it is not good, it's right? right? It's like I'll give a little bit of a poison because it makes your body resistant to the, the poison. But if right. I give myself too much poison, I'm probably going to die. Yeah, right. right. A couple Tylenol when I have a headache, fine. 100 Tylenol, dead. Dead immediately, right, right. right. So I think that's kind of the same thing. Like we're stimulating a part of our brain that's needs stimulated. That's good for us. That maybe at times we've have a harder time stimulating because of blue light and computers and tablets and all these things that it's probably a good thing for you. So naturally occurring, as long as you have a all tolerance right. for it, I think the, the scare in, in when they're younger is when you don't have enough uh, frontal lobe development, I think it's up to 25 years old in men, boys, um, it can cause some psychotic episodes, potentially if you give the way too much high levels of, of caffeine for a kid. Yeah, right. So I feel like there is some genetic 
differences in how well you metabolize caffeine, right? Yeah. Like we know that. So, and I think anybody who's been around knows like, okay, I tend to be able to tolerate caffeine pretty well, but my aunt Betty, yeah, man, she can't have any. She'll just, you know, it really, bot- she's very sensitive to it. She and, is. Well, I, I don't have an aunt Betty, but okay. you know what I mean? I am. Yeah. I, I, I have, remember we did my, the, the genetic, genetic testing. Yeah, exactly. I have the genetic test. My mother-in-law, and I think my sister-in-law, both are very sensitive to caffeine. Like they can't have hey, much. Listen, I do have a problem with this. Uh oh, here we go. Do they know they are, or do they like? I think this is one do, of those passed down placebos. Well, oh god, it's after lunch. I can't have a cup of coffee. I'm going to be up all night. My grandma said that, and she was like 40. Yeah, I think it's just mostly just based off. I had some caffeine. I, I had a potent dose of caffeine before in my life, and I just almost like your story with nicotine. Like I just had an episode where I had too much. I had some you caffeine bring this and back it just to me every time, <laughs> yeah. and it just didn't go well. And so they're like, from I now think, on, I just don't drink I think much it's, caffeine. I think it's both. I think my grandma Russell. Okay, when I was a kid, I look back at this now, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking like she wasn't that old when I was like ten. You know what I mean? Like she yeah. might have been like mid forties, upper forties. Wow. So yeah, she was, she young. was younger. And I look at her, but when I think back to when I was young, I'm like, damn, she looked old, and she acted like. Oh, I just can't have a cup of coffee after lunch. I'm never going to go to sleep tonight. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So you don't buy it? Well, I think there probably is some truth, obviously. But I think a lot right. of it's passed down mother to, to daughter to Maybe. mother to daughter. Maybe. Yeah. And then you just say it because you've turned into an old person, even though you're not an old person. Right. <laughs> you just keep repeating it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So certain people are, have different sensitivities to caffeine, but I was going to say, and just kind of to build off your point, like, I think, yeah, the thing you worry about with kids is like you said, just not fully brain developed. And I think just aren't as good as realizing, Hey, I've had this much caffeine. Maybe it's time to cut it out. Right. You know what I mean? Where it's like, when you get to be an adult, you kind of have this loose gauge going in your head of, okay, I've had a cup, you know, two, three cups of coffee, probably good. Right. Where a kid could probably just keep going and going and going and oh crap. And then, like you said, you have these episodes of bad. Right. All right, so some <clears throat> summary. It's it's got positive performance enhancing effects on aerobic and anaerobic endurance and power. Yes. Right? So that's really good for every sport. Yep. It's got positive benefits on focus, attention, accuracy, a lot of motivation, good, right? A lot of good stuff on that. It's got neuroprotected protective uh, benefits we think for yep. diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. Yep. Seems to be, seems to be fine with insulin sensitivity. Seems to be people who consume more have less type 2 diabetes. I've seen uh, reports of people who drink more coffee have a decrease in incidence of different colon cancers. Okay. Yep. Um, so it's positive potentially for that. Yep. Um, it does not cause cramping or dehydration. Yep. We These concerns about fluid loss or fluid imbalance bad good stuff yeah good um and so i and just don't know last one i want to touch on was blood pressure um because i feel like for me it was like that's when you'll hear a lot like oh yeah caffeine blood blood pressure isn't that bad and i think when i looked at several meta-analyses it, it's probably kind of what you'd think like does caffeine uh the administration of 200 to 300 milligrams of caffeine produced a a mean increase of about 8.1 uh systolic bp and about 5.7 uh diastolic bp Uh, The increase in blood pressure was, uh, anyway. So does caffeine, acute ingestion of caffeine slightly boost your blood pressure? Yes, but it seems to be quick and not long lasting because the conclusion was like uh, for hypertensive individuals, like if you're already somebody who has high blood pressure, probably should watch your caffeine. But however, current evidence does not support an association between long-term coffee consumption and they use coffee and increased blood pressure or between habitual coffee consumption and an increased risk of cardiovascular disease in hypertensive subjects. So 
Perfect. I just want to touch on that. Thought it was a good. I mean, and I think just for the average <clears throat> listener listening to this, you get a larger increase in blood pressure by exercising. Right. So, um, it doesn't seem like eight. If you're going from one thirty to one thirty eight, or one twenty to one twenty eight, yeah, or whatever, it probably goes even higher when you're exercising. Yes, for sure. Right. Especially and, resistance training. Right. And I'm pretty sure if you had hypertension, most uh, most people would still advise exercising. So yeah. Like, I yeah. say uh, if you're an athlete, especially a younger athlete or somebody that hasn't, uh, that's a novice beginner with caffeine, I would do it. Uh, I would try about half the dose and I would do it in a practice setting. I wouldn't just go to like, let's say you're a football, high school football player. And on your first Friday night game that you're going to start for the first time, you suck could. down a big bang. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm guessing you have enough adrenaline going <laughs> to be ready for that. <laughs> you always feel the need to put that on there. What was, I feel like, what was the other one? Like, yeah, don't experiment with this. I can't remember what else it was. I was going to defend the coaches a little bit, like pre-workout type things. Yeah. Like the dry scooping or taking more than what is recommended. Because I think in a powder, you think, oh, yeah, I'll do more than the recommended serving and it'll be good, where a kid's not going out and drinking two, three cans of bang. Yeah. Yeah, I would say uh, if you're taking something, and we, we had this <laughs> issue uh, when you were actually still working as a sideline ATC where <laughs> – uh, kids were dry scooping, so putting the whole scoop of C4 was the brand, but there's tons of these there's pre-workout of them, powders yeah. um, into their mouth at a time. First off, I don't recommend doing that. Um, you got to be a sick person to want to put that much powder in your mouth. I'm surprised it's as prevalent as it is. Number just, two, yeah. uh, don't increase uh, the dosage on those. Those pre-workouts are designed as a stimulant outside of just caffeine intake, and they have other... Um, adrenaline uh, supplements, mimickers in them that are going to cause a, a larger increase in norepinephrine. Epinephrine, which I'm telling you, if you've ever played a sport in your life, especially high school football, you have enough adrenaline as you go out for Friday. Why do you think the bathrooms are full right before people go out to the sidelines <laughs> to warm up, right? I remember that. Yep. You'd had that problem? You were nervous. Uh, I you wasn't. Were, a, you were on the sideline. Why I was, the hell were you nervous? <laughs> I wasn't a quarterback. <laughs> I was just about to say, I wasn't a quarterback. <laughs> Kidding. Go team, go! <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't increase those doses because there is a lot of things in most uh, pre workouts that can cause more cardiac arrhythmias um, and other issues that have nothing to do with the caffeine content. Okay, good tip. Yep, Anything I think else? we covered it pretty good. I think that was good. Yep, yep. awesome. All right, we're good. Thanks, Thanks guys. The information provided on this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. No doctor-patient relationship is established by listening to this podcast. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast.